0: Hi guys, I'm Marie and I'm Maddie and we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Welcome, welcome. We are huddled down in the bunker right now. It is snowing at our house, like full on blizzard this morning starting around like nine o'clock and now it's kind of settled down. It's like noon and the roads are pretty clear, but there's some good snow on the ground. But I'm like dropping children off at school this morning and putting kids on buses and I'm like, is school going to continue all day or are they going to make us come pick up our children in the middle of the day? Because that happens every now and then when we have like a heavy snow, they'll send out a call saying, please come pick up your children. We're doing early release. <laughs> all right. Today we are covering the Isdol Woman. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it is pretty crazy. In 1970, the badly burnt body of a woman would be found in Norway's Isdelen Valley. The labels were cut from her clothing, and distinctive markings had been removed from all of her belongings. And this would be the start of a mystery that would plague Norway for years to come. I think one of the reasons is that Bergen had a very low crime rate and was a peaceful place to live, so this discovery would shock locals. On November 29 of 1970, Professor Sund and his two daughters, aged 10 and 12, were going for a walk. It was a Sunday, it was wet and raining, and the temperature was about 5 degrees Celsius, which is about 41 degrees Fahrenheit. On their way down, Isdalen Valley, at the entrance of Small Valley and just north of Dudston, known as Death Valley, to the locals, By the way, I know I pronounced both of those terribly wrong. I'm so sorry. His eldest daughter, who had gone slightly off trail, caught up with her dad and sister and fearfully proclaimed, there's a human being there, daddy. He left the two to go and investigate. He would find the body of a woman who was burnt and naked. She was obviously dead, and even with the smell of burnt flesh, he knew that she had been there for a while. The body was laying between two boulders, And her arms were frozen in a boxer's pose, which I actually had to look up. So apparently it's a common term used for burnt victims where their hands end up out in front of them frozen, kind of like they're getting ready to box or fight. He would feel a shiver down his spine and would mutter bloody hell before returning to his daughters where they immediately followed the trail back out without touching anything and would notify police. By the way, both of these girls would, for good reason, be scarred by this and refuse to speak of it to this day. So this is in 1970, and they've never spoken of this incident. I don't know if that's healthy. I don't think it is. Police would respond immediately and close off the valley. Sun would lead them to the exact location of the body, and the area would also be guarded as the body would not be removed until the following day. No. 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 Absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with that. I want nothing. This next section is a little rough for pronouncing things, so we're going to do the best that we can. The Isdalen Valley, which means Ice Valley, is also known by locals as Death Valley, as people would go there commonly to commit suicide and the valley has also claimed the lives of multiple hikers. Many have actually fallen to their death while hiking in the fog. So, could be a dangerous place to be hiking. Isdelen Valley is an ice-filled valley between Ardelsalga Ridge and Istiselga Ridge in the Wolfart Mountains in Antarctica. It was discovered and plotted from air by the 3rd German Antarctic Expedition in 1938. There is a large black lake at the bottom of the valley, and it only has a few hours of daylight in the winter. Sounds like kind of a depressing place, if you ask me.
1: When Karl was arrived on the scene, the smell of burnt flesh was still lingering in the air. Disgusting. Ugh. And he said, he said that it looked like she had thrown herself back and her front was completely burnt, including all of her hair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he told BBC that he couldn't imagine what she had looked like. So her back wasn't burnt and the scene was cold. It was not apparent how long the body had been there for.
0: I imagine, though, if they can still smell burnt flesh, it hasn't been more than a week at this point. I would imagine that smell probably doesn't really leave very quickly.
1: Detective Hector Seeland and Paul Burge would be placed in charge of the investigation. People called them whole and half as Seeland was very tall and Burge was very short.
0: Whole and half.
1: So she appeared to be between the ages of 25 and 40. So the woman is about 5'4 and has long brown black hair. And it's tied into a
0: ponytail with a blue and white ribbon. And we know this because her backside is not burnt. Okay.
1: And she has a small round face and small ears. Brown eyes. Her body was covered in severe burns. Uh, yeah. I would say the whole front of it. charred. Yeah. Her legs were partially burnt to the bone and her face was severely burnt. But how's her back not burn at all?
0: Because she's laying on her back on the ground probably when the fire is started. So it burns really hot, burns the front of her, but it does not burn through. Cause she's on rocks. She's on like boulders.
1: Okay, yes. But you're telling me that my body can't burn at a high enough temperature to at least burn
0: your hair off? Yeah. Apparently not.
1: You're telling me if I was lit on fire, I would burn out before my body was completely, like, before my hair was all burned. Well,
0: keep in mind, we also don't know what the weather was because we don't yet know when she caught on fire. It could have been raining. There could have been other things that caused the fire to go out. Could have been severely windy. I mean, who knows? So at the scene, there is jewelry placed next to the body and Carl said that the placement and location of the objects surrounding the body was strange and it looked like there had been some kind of ceremony like a ritual like the jewelry her jewelry is taken off and placed around her body there was a watch under her knee okay and the watch is frozen at 10:10 It's slightly melted, too. Watches, when they're sold in stores, are set at 10-10. It's supposed to be like a happy face, like a smile, 10-10. That's a very common spot for watches to be sold at. So it's possible that the watch was destroyed at 10-10 and stopped working, or that the watch was never set to the proper time and was still set on the storefront setting.
1: Um, either... He thinks that he's some kind of cryptic or something and he's sending messages with the watch, you know, with all the with it placed underneath the knee. That's weird.
0: It is kind of weird that it's under her knee. But if there was jewelry laid around her body, it's possible that she could have moved around and knocked it under there as well because it is slightly melted and burnt.
1: Well, is it like around her body
0: or is it like right around her body? The jewelry is like pretty close to her body. There's also a print of a rubber boot in the white ash by her right knee. I wonder if her right knee is the knee that the watch was under or if that's her left knee. At the scene, they also find remnants of a passport container, specifically the little metal eye that would hold a passport, like the case part. There were remnants of a purse or bag. There were cuffs on the arms of a synthetic material. So, like, from a shirt maybe that she'd been wearing? The cuffs were still there? The remnants of a dark blue stretched trouser and a stocking on her right foot. The matching stocking was also nearby. There was also wool from what appeared to be a sweater. So there was a half bottle of cutico, which is a type of liquor, and a mostly empty bottle of classe de liqueur, which is another kind of alcohol. There are two bottles with carabiner hooks. One was partially melted and contained water. There was a partially melted plastic white cup, the kind that comes with a thermos, but no thermos was found. The remnants of a plastic spoon, burnt bread or crackers, a woolen scarf burnt at one end, a fur hat, a burnt blue nylon umbrella, and all of the clothing had the labels cut out And all other items had the labels either scraped or rubbed off, with the exception of a box of matches that had the label for an erotic underwear store in Germany.
1: Um, This reminds me of that one guy that was found in, like, Australia.
0: Like the older guy that they found with, like, random... Things in his pockets, but they couldn't identify him. was
1: definitely like a mob hit or a government Spy of some kind. It was a spy or a mob hit for sure. I mean, they they did the same shit. They cut out all the labels.
0: Mm -hmm. They cut out all of um, everything. This one's even stranger because her face has been burnt off. A few days later, three to be specific, the Bergen Railway Station would discover a storage locker had expired and station attendants found two suitcases inside. One was Brown with a belt around it and the other was yellow. The bags had been put in the locker on the morning of the 23rd, which is six days prior to the woman's body being found in the Valley. Right? Basically, The time allotted on it had expired, so they notified police. My understanding is that they did this because they had heard about the woman who had been found in the valley, and now they have these two random suitcases that were never picked up. In the suitcases, they would find a fur coat and a trench coat, glasses that were not prescription. So they're eyeglasses with just glass in them.
1: Feet glasses? Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to look like someone else, if you're a fucking spy.
0: A wig made in France, which was described as mahogany brown, multiple hats, one with a Cossack, whatever that is. They found 500 German Deutschmarks hidden behind the lining of the bigger suitcase. There was also German, Norwegian, Belgian, British, and Swiss money. They also find eight fake passports a comb and hairbrush, cosmetics, clothes, eczema cream from a pharmacy in Bergen with the name and doctor scraped off, spoons, a fork, and some plastic cups, the remnants of a candle, paper tissue with the imprint London on it, a bottle of perfume, one package of clay like substance. I don't think that ever gets identified, by the way. One scalpel-like knife. A map of southern Scandinavia. Three detailed roadmaps of Norway, all marked 166 in pen. One with a list of train stations in pencil. Two bags from different shoe stores. Several pairs of shoes and boots. Two notebooks. The first one, blank, but with some pictures stuffed inside. One of the Madonna with Child a postcard of a religious scene and postcard of a horse drawn sleigh. All blank though. In the second notebook, they found what appeared to be code and we will talk about that in a minute, but basically it's like columns and rows of numbers and letters, but it's not clear what it means. All of the labels and tags have been removed from everything and All fingerprints have been wiped off with the exception of one fingerprint that they found on the glasses. And this was only a partial, but they were able to connect the suitcases to the woman found in Isdale Valley based on this fingerprint. So they do match the woman. One single fingerprint left on these suitcases. It appeared that most of the items were not local and. Europe or other areas seemed more likely. So it wasn't like clothing that you would buy here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't makeup you would buy here. It was things that didn't really fit with what you could get in this area. They also found a bag, a plastic bag from a shoe store named Oscar Rordvitz Footwear Store. And that one is local. So police would release the following. An unknown female found Sunday, 29-11-70 at 13:15. The body of a young woman was found on a hiking trail in the Isdalen Valley of Bergen in Norway. The body also has significant burns. Description, approximately 30 to 40 years. 164 centimeters tall. Slender, strong hips, nicely built, Long brown-black hair in a ponytail with a ribbon tied around it. Ribbon with light blue drawings with white in a dark blue bottom. A small round face, brown eyes, small ears. Teeth with many restorations. And several molars have gold crowns that are common in the East and some places in Southern and Central Europe. Fourteen of the teeth are completely or partially rooted. Among these two wisdom teeth, in the lower F, and a space between two upper front teeth. So basically, that's the description they're sending out to the world to say, does anybody know who this woman is?
1: Great description.
0: She does have kind of extensive like mouthwork, though. The shoe
1: store was in Stavanger, and when they went to contact the store owner, the owner's son remembers selling a pair of rubber boots to a well-dressed woman, With dark hair between 30 and 40. And he described her as attractive. And he said that she took much longer to make a selection than most customers. She asked for a 37 boot, but it was too small and he had to bring her a 38. He said that she spoke English but had an accent and he referred to her as having a calm and quiet expression. He also thought that she smelled of garlic. She's a
0: vampire. The garlic thing is weird. We're going to run into a lot of accounts of her smelling oddly, and in some of these reports, it's reported as garlic. In some, it's that she has Bo. In some it's that she smelled of spices. So whatever she her was
1: a vampire hunter.:
0: So whatever her smell is, it's very distinct to people, and not always in a good way.
1: And the boots appeared to match the ones found near the body. They also believed that
0: the umbrella came from the same store. It sounds to me that she maybe bought these boots and this umbrella specifically to go out walking in the rain. It's very strange. And then lights herself on fire? I don't know. Police canvass nearby hotels, and they find a guest that matches the description given by the shoe store. And... The woman's name is Fenella Lohr, and she had checked into St. Spithin Hotel November 9th through the 18th. And as Elizabeth Lehmanhoff, she was a guest at the Rosenkrantz on the 19th and then moved to the Hordenheimen until the 23rd. So she's doing a bit of hotel hopping. On the 23rd, she would check out of the Hortenheimer and leave by taxi, but they are unable to find the taxi driver that remembered driving her that day or at least one that would admit to it. They also received information that Vanilla Lore had traveled to Bergen via Stravinger from Geneva. And spoiler alert, this would turn out to be an alias as Fenella Lore was not a real person. Also, Elizabeth... Not a real person either. So now we have two aliases, neither of which they can find that actually exist. They would locate several hotels that a woman matching her description using multiple different aliases. And by the way, most hotels require a passport, but we know she had multiple fake passports, so that is not surprising. She was also described as slim with wide hips and a taxi driver even called her sexy. They did compile a very long list of places that the handwriting, because when you traveled back then, you had to fill out a little uh, slip about where you came from, where you're going, your name, and your passport number. Okay? So matching the handwriting and the description, they were able to find multiple places that she had been traveling for months. Impressive.
1: Impressive.
0: And I'm not even going to try to read them because, you guys, I will get them all wrong. And that is embarrassing. Now, the last one that she wrote, which was her stay from the 19th to the 23rd, the handwriting didn't initially seem to match. But it was concluded that it was the same handwriting, but it appeared as though she had been trying to disguise it which is interesting as this is the last place that she stayed. Did she know something was going to happen? Was she trying to hide from somebody? We don't really know. They also reported at this hotel that she would move an armchair from inside her room into the hallway whenever she was there. And when she left, she would put the chair back into her room. And this was not a tiny chair. This was a big armchair. Interesting. Isn't that so weird? Kind of seems like a signal of some kind. They also said that she smoked and that her perfume was spicy and strong.
1: A waitress at Hotel Neptune said that she remembered her well and said that she had been elegant and self-assured and that she'd been staring at her a little bit too long and the woman winked at her. She also recalled that she was sitting next to but not interacting with two German Navy men. And one of them was an officer. Everyone interviewed said that she spoke English
0: but also used some German phrases. And was reported to have a lisp. Which, if you remember, she does have a gap between her two teeth. And that can cause a lisp sometimes.
1: She also requested to change rooms on multiple occasions. And at one hotel, she requested three.
0: Yep. Yeah, so... Changing rooms moving furniture out of rooms. It's very strange behavior. In December of 1970, two weeks after the body was found, there is a strange development. A caller thought that she recognized the woman from an article she had read about a string of bombings planned or carried out by the Black Panthers. And this particular article was about a woman wanted in connection with a bomb that had gone off in the basement of a New York house. When police obtained the article, they said, damn, seems like we solved the case. The woman's name was Katie Wilkinson. But they would receive no answer from the embassy. And the messaging from the CIA at the time was clear. The Wilkinson's case is not to be pursued in any way. So we never get confirmation that this woman is not Katie Wilkinson, but This particular lead does seem to fizzle out to such an extent that they don't believe it's her. Okay. The code from her book would be sent to the Defense Department, and some of the code in her notebook would be cracked. It seemed to chronicle her dates of travel. The numbers are dates, and the first letter after each number is a month, and the letters at the end are cities. So... O22028p would be her trip to Paris between the 22nd and the 28th of October. O30B and5 would be her trip from October 30 to November 5th. There is one at the bottom, all by itself that they were unable to crack. And that one is 10m. ML23NMN, which she does go missing on the 23rd of November. But the letters at the beginning and the letters at the end, they were unable to figure out what they belong to. There are some discrepancies in the dates of her notebook versus the actual travel log. And please begin to think that maybe this was a plan written ahead of time, or an account after the fact from memory, which is why some of the dates don't quite line up. But they all seem to coincide with some sort of sighting that they have of this woman.
1: A man named Gazelle Bang, who was a professor of dentistry, keeps the jaw in hopes of finding someone that can identify the work, but unable to. Right. When they start contacting department stores to see if anyone could identify any of her makeup or other personal belongings, they were unable to track down her makeup or
0: belongings. Which, can you imagine not having the internet the way that we do now? Where you could literally take a picture of something, put it into a search box, and it would tell you what matches it. Yeah. Like, they're just having to call people and describe items to them so the autopsy comes back and the amount of alcohol in her blood is insignificant so could be naturally caused by what's in there it does not appear that she had been drinking or had been drinking a lot they do verify that she has never had children and she also did not appear to have any kind of illness she did have a bruise on the right side of her neck there was smoke in her lungs Indicating that she had been alive when she was set on fire. Good. I don't like that. She had been there for about six days before she was found. Apparently there were reports of smoke in the area around 1205 on the 23rd, which her watches stopped at 1010. So could that have been when the fire started? Smoke is seen at 12.30, possibly. I don't really know. And the suitcases were placed in the locker that morning. So nobody had seen her pass the morning of the 23rd. So that timeline kind of makes sense. She did have 50 to 70 sleeping pills in her stomach that were not fully absorbed. There were about 12 unabsorbed pills. And it is thought that she took them close to her death with at least some of them a couple hours before they were a brand called Phenomal, which is in the barbiturates family. Also, it lists preventing seizures, short term treatment for insomnia, and a sedative before surgery, and can also treat anxiety. This was a common drug used for suicide, and the recommended dosage was 30 to 320 milligrams per day. Hers would be about 60 milligrams. And with 50 to 70, that would be about 3,000 to 4,200 milligrams. Which is a lot, I would say. If she took the pills before heading into the valley, she would have had trouble walking out there without any help. Could she have taken them there and then a few hours later the fire was set? Possibly.
1: Sounds like she was drugged.
0: It does sound like she was drugged, doesn't it? A severe bleeding had occurred in the large throat muscle on the right side where the collarbone is attached, which would be caused by a blow or bump against a blunt object. There was also petrol around the body, indicating that that was the accelerant that had been used. She also had a high concentration of carbon monoxide in her bloodstream, And the official finding would be that she died from carbon monoxide poisoning and ingesting a large number of sleeping pills. So basically, being set on fire. What a horrible, horrible way to die. And she was probably pretty incapacitated with that many sleeping pills in her system. Mm -hmm. The cause of death would be ruled a probable suicide. Good. Good. I'm sorry, but does anybody else believe that this is a probable suicide at this point? Anyone? The police? Anyone? No? Hmm. I'm sorry, but a woman is not going to light herself on fire. And they would say that the injury to her collarbone was from a slip or fall while traveling to the location where her body was found.
1: Where she burned herself alive. It was
0: actually suggested that she fell against a tree branch.
1: And burned herself alive.
0: And then burnt herself alive while incapacitated on sleeping pills. Also, what did she carry the gas in? Because nothing had remnants of gas in it. So the water bottles, none of the containers. She didn't use the alcohol to light herself on fire. There was actual petrol there.
1: God, I have no hope for humanity. (laughs) i got nothing. We're stupid. We know. Are you kidding me?
0: I I don't First the dinosaurs and now this shit. (laughs) I don't know if They just can't imagine a crime because there's not a lot of crime at this time. So they're trying to make it fit without it being a crime. I'm not really sure. Either way, all reports came back negative after inquiries were sent. Basically everywhere. Nobody knew who this woman was. She did not match any missing persons. Her fingerprints were not a match to anybody. Nothing. And after this, the case would be closed.
1: Um, She would be buried in February of 1971 at the Molendal Graveyard in Bergen. Just before noon, a group of 12 men would stand around the coffin, and there would be two women who sang, Oh, Stay With Me, and lead Mild Light. The priest would give a sermon. They would speak about the unknown woman being buried in a foreign country with none of her relatives present. The service would be Catholic, as they believed that the woman may have been Catholic. Why? The service would be secret and no members of the press would be there.
0: Interesting. That's interesting. I know. I thought that was kind of interesting I mean, maybe they
1: do it. Maybe that's just how it is.
0: I think they were just trying to like keep a lid on it. The white zinc lined coffin would be decorated with lilacs and tulips. Right. And the zinc would prevent the coffin from decomposing. And this was in hopes that her family would be found and she could be relocated. To their possession. She would be placed in grave number one.
1: And they keep a photo album from the funeral home just in case they
0: find her relatives. Right. Because they're going to want to see the pictures of her funeral, I'm sure. Charred body. Jesus. Fast forward to 2016. The teeth. So, after Jizzle Bang died it was thought that the jaw of the israel woman had been destroyed because remember he was going to hang on to it in case somebody could identify the work done on it but a professor named morald finds the jaw deep in the cellar in the Hawkland university hospital forensic archives And this would lead investigators to reopen the case and examine the teeth using new technology. In
1: 2016, let me remind you that these teeth have been thought to be lost for decades.
0: They're basically just like in somebody's drawer somewhere. Like, ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, think about it. He worked there. He died. Or he worked somewhere. Mm -hmm. All his stuff got moved to somewhere else. That person dies.
0: Yeah. Then somehow it ends up in a school basement. Yeah. And a lot of times people like that will like take their work home with them and it'll be like a great grandchild or a grandchild that finds it and is like, hey, I found this jawbone, you know, like that happens too. They would use isotope analysis to try to determine the chemical signature left by elements where she had lived. And if you remember, this was done in the barrel murder case that we covered and helped them determine... That all of the victims had recently been living in the same area, but they weren't of the same family. Isotope analysis determine what type of water had been drank as a person grew up, what kind of food they had eaten. I mean, they can tell all sorts of crazy stuff from this. It's insane. Testing would suggest that she grew up somewhere along the border between France and Germany. It also suggested that she was born between 1926 and 1934, And this would place her between 36 and 44. Later on, though, testing would open that window a little more to say that she could actually be more like between 20 and 35.
1: Didn't get bigger. It just slid
0: over. It slid over, right. It also indicated that in her childhood, she had moved west from Eastern or Central Europe before or during the Second World War. Which a lot of people were displaced around that time. So that's not terribly crazy. DNA testing also becomes possible since they do find that they still have tissue samples available. Now, the NRK and police agree to send off DNA samples. The NRK is the Norwegian Broadcasting Cooperation, and I'm not sure why they have anything to do with anything, but they seem to be somewhat involved in this. I don't know. Maybe they paid for it. I'm not sure. They would publish a documentary about the case that would bring in more than 150 tips. Spoiler alert, though, it would still not be solved. Now, in September of 1972, another woman who was similar in age and physical appearance was found murdered. Her name was Marianne Dunisfit, and her murder is also unsolved. And the reason that some believe the two might be connected, is that Marianne's mother, Edith, was the maid at the last hotel where the Israel woman had stayed. And she was the one who had given a detailed description to police. So maybe a weird coincidence, maybe not. I'm not really sure.
1: Hmm.
0: But this case is still unsolved. We do not know who the Israel woman is. I think when we look at theories in this case, the first thing that we need to decide... Is, was it murder or suicide?
1: It definitely wasn't suicide.
0: I totally agree. There's I don't, no
1: way. I,
0: no. I don't think suicide is even a considerable factor in this case.
1: She was alive when she was burnt. There's no gasoline. What is she going to do? Burn herself alive and then go hide the fucking gasoline? Like, what the fuck? Well, you want to hear
0: something funny? There's actually a, like, spy expert who says there's no way she's a spy. Right? He does, like, this interview. He says there's no way that she's a spy. And he says that he thinks that a can of hairspray might have accidentally been ignited somehow. And that's what started the fire. But where's the can of hairspray? Where's... And why would he even assume that? Why would she have a can of hairspray? I don't know. It's so stupid.
1: Um, and if she's not a spy, it's going to be the mob. It's the spy. Eight it's passports. A... She's a spy or it has something to do with the mob.
0: So Bounty hunter? I don't know. Espionage is one of the most popular theories. There was a new weapon being tested in Norway at the time that she is there. It's called the penguin missile. And nothing actually comes from this, but they are doing testing of it at the same time that she's there. So could she have been there to observe this missile testing? And
1: that guy's just saying she's not a spy because she's a woman. Hairspray.
0: He does actually say there weren't a lot of women spies during his interview. (laughs) Now, if she is a spy, could she have been killed by whoever she was spying on or by her own government where she was spying from? Possibly. It is the height of the Cold War and Norway was pretty close to the Soviet Union. Now, a couple things about if she's a spy. One thing that I did read a lot about is that she drew a lot of attention to herself if she was a spy And most spies tended to lay pretty low, and she did not appear to do that. Also, most spies, on average, it sounds like—I mean, who really knows what the truth is— that they would have one to two false identities, and that it would be very unlikely for somebody to have up to eight. That's
1: what they want you to think. Right? Are they really going to be honest? uh, I don't
0: know. If she is a spy, (laughs) absolutely not. Here's the thing, though. If she's not a spy— Where did she get the money, one, to have that many fake passports, and two, to be traveling to all of these places?
1: Yeah, if she's not a spy, what are the passports?
0: Yeah, what else could she be? Could still be something involving the mob, I guess. Um, Her being a sex worker is also a theory that's thrown out there quite a bit, like a very high-end sex worker. And part of that is that she was seen with different men throughout time. Like, either sitting with them or near them or at bars with them or things like that. But, I don't know. Um,
1: I could see, but why have all the fake passports and shit? I mean, if she's, maybe she's You like, wouldn't
0: really need them. Maybe
1: she's a spy or someone working for someone higher and her whole, like, target is being a sex worker. Like, she's meant to right. Part of seem her like she's a sex mm-hmm. worker or, or like entice these men in or like something. I do think like like that it's weird
0: maybe. how much attention she drew to herself though um because I tend to lean on the spy theory but we'll talk about that more in our bunker talk but I do tend to lean a little bit more on the spy theory but I have some issues with it as well another question that is asked is was it just this one woman or were there multiple women in these accounts to me, it leans towards one because a lot of where she traveled was written down in this notebook that yeah. she had in her possession.
1: But who knows?
0: But who knows? Could she have been working um, with a group of women? Maybe. Yeah.
1: Maybe some kind of women spy organization.
0: One theory was that she was German because she that was the only other language that people really heard her speak. Mm-hmm. But when you look at her cards that she filled out, she writes... Under reason for visits, she writes trading with goods. In other places, she claims to be trading with professions. Uh, Being an antique dealer was another. Tourism was another. But in her German word, like when she's writing in German, she misspells things and uses the wrong words in times. So it doesn't seem like this is her native language. No. So we don't actually know what her actual language is. But if she is placed near the German-French border, could she be French but also know some German because she lives nearby?
1: Possibly? I feel like most
0: Europeans know more than one language. I, I totally agree with that too.
1: I mean, it's like 30 minutes and you're in a whole other country. I mean, speaking multiple languages would do you good.
0: Um, another thing that we probably need to consider is was she having a mental breakdown? was she i the problem that i, I have with that for the, well know. and the problem i have with that is she still this money came from somewhere she didn't burn herself alive okay so if you believe the suicide then you probably would lean towards the mental break right but i just don't see that being possible
1: there's gasoline where's the gas can so she laid all her jewelry out around her put gasoline on herself, disposed of the gas can, and then lit herself on fire while being incapacitated by sleeping pills, having enough sleeping pills in her
0: stomach to kill her alone. Yeah. I think you guys might be able to determine how our bunker talk is going to go after this. Either way, that is the story of the Isdol woman. And I'm going to take Maddie. We're going to go make some coffee. We have some more CS instant coffee that we're going to go make. And if Madison falls asleep again, I'm going to have to resort to more desperate measures. If you haven't tried the instant coffee, check for the link in the description of this episode. It's delicious. We've talked about using it for backpacking and hiking and we love it. So go and find that. Also, just so that you all know, We will be taking the rest of December off. And we are sorry about that. But. I got too much shit going on. We have a lot of things going on right now. We
1: started this podcast in the pandemic when we didn't have anything going on. The
0: pandemic is over. Life has resumed. (laughs) But we did order our Christmas cards today. So if you are a Patreon, you will be getting our Christmas card soon. And. If you're not a Patreon, you should probably go and sign up for that because we do have a Patreon episode coming out this month and we also have our Patreon Live that we're going to be doing to cover and talk about with our Patreons the cases from this year. So come and join us on Patreon. Come and support us there so that we don't go completely crazy. And thank you so much for tuning in. Bye.
1: She'd be buried in February of 1971 at the Murray Bowl Graveyard. In... At the what?
0: I don't. You're know like that. you're like um, Joey when Phoebe's trying to teach him French, and she'll like say a French term, and then he just says something totally different.
1: My brain doesn't just just doesn't register shit like that. It just doesn't work like that. Just like Mulindul. Mulindul. Uh What would you do if you had a time machine? If I had a time machine? Yeah. If you had
0: access to a time machine right now, what would you do? Go back in time and tell people how stupid they are? That's what you'd do? No, I'd go ride a dinosaur. (laughs) Also
1: wrong. They're all birds. I don't know why you want to go see the dinosaurs. You want to go see some giant-ass birds? That sounds scary as fuck. I want to see what they actually look like. Birds. Feathers. (laughs) I know. Skin, fur. They were not all reptiles. Who's dumbass thought they were
0: fucking reptiles? I don't know, but I want to see Why did
1: I grow up thinking dinosaurs were reptiles? Okay, funny
0: story about that. We were reading a dinosaur book the other day. Phoenix was reading it. And she's like, um, mom, they're saying this like it's fact. She's like, but it's not. And I was like, I know, Phoenix. Just read your story.
1: (laughs) Phoenix understands the struggle. Dinosaur toys look like reptiles. And I'm like... That's not. Have you seen the new? Like.
0: Have you seen the new Jurassic Park movie or Jurassic World movie?
1: I haven't. They
0: actually make them look more like birds. Like they have feathers it, and stuff. It's
1: actually dinosaur movies and all that shit's been bothering me for a very, very long time yeah. since I first heard about the theory of oh, they might be feathers. They might be chickens. It's like and one that was stupid I was person. Like
0: young- it's like one stupid person said that they all look like a reptile, a giant reptile, and then. We just went with that for like, like 100 years. did we years. not look
1: at any of the skeletons of any of the animals that are currently on the planet? Well, I, I'm i not really sure wh- why we came to that conclusion. It's because of um, men. It's men's... It's man's fault. Okay. It was 100% Perfect. a man that came up with that. So I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to roll with that. Okay. Um.
0: <laughs> How did we start talking about dinosaurs? And Bye. what was the time machine question about? Um. Also... You should hear Phoenix come home from school and ask me questions because Phoenix is learning a lot of things at school.
1: Phoenix was a three-year-old who didn't believe in Santa Claus, so Phoenix is a very rational person.
0: Well, she's being taught a lot of things at school that she has questions about, and she'll come and she'll ask me, and I'm like, uh, I don't want to call your teacher a liar, but... (laughs) That's what you're going to do with your time machine? Do you know how much they've wrecked the world? I'm I'm literally going to have to cut that out. I can't leave that in here.
1: (laughs) That's what I would do if I had a time machine. Can you give one example of
0: something you would do besides? No. Okay. Think about how much... Think about it. I mean, I might be selfish with my time machine and go back and change things that happen within my lifetime, but hey. I think
1: people think way too small when they think about a time machine. (laughs) People are thinking way too small and about singular events, like, oh, I would stop 9-11 or I would stop Hitler. No, you need to go back to the source of the problem thousands (laughs) of years before that, and that is what you fix.
0: Uh, Anyway, our time machine... Conversation has gotten way out of control, and I'm definitely going to have to edit a bunch of it out because we got a little wild on that one.
1: (laughs) Did you know that not Mm -hmm. everyone's bones are white?
0: Uh I never really thought about it.
1: Different disorders and different medications that you take throughout your lifetime can affect the color of your bones. Interesting. There's different medications that turn your bones like yellow and green, and there's something that you can genetically have that makes your bones black or like more yellow
0: too. That's pretty common.
1: Oh, like yellow, yellow. Hmm.